I'm your host, Gregory Williamson, and this is The Scripted Podcast. Life isn't scripted, but your content should be. Let's talk about it. Hey listeners, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Scripted Podcast. In today's episode, we're going to be joined once again by Griffin Roar, owner of Uproar, a search marketing agency that works closely with e-commerce and technology companies. Today, we're going to be continuing our discussion on SEO by taking a deeper dive into the writing for SEO in 2020 to discuss tools he uses daily, the use of hub articles, general best practices, things to avoid, writing for video and audio content, and more. So to get this started, uh, Griffin, we ended the last episode discussing your process of creating high-quality content for your clients. Throughout that process, you use several tech tools. If you will, talk a little bit more about the tools you use and why you use them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so there's a lot of great like Chrome extensions and, and that help just expedite a, a lot of really small tasks and, and small analyses. So um, there's a great extension called Keywords Everywhere, which um, when you do that search and you're looking at the search results, it, it kind of pulls up related keywords to the right. Um, so it just like overlays that on the search results. So as you're thinking of, okay, I'm going to start with this keyword, you get this kind of list of all these other ideas and, and you can start exploring those and, and kind of grabbing those and saving them, putting them in a spreadsheet or wherever for, you know, saving those so that later you're going to take them into a keyword research tool and maybe get some data around competition and volume and things like that. Um, there's there's uh, other tools um, that help you, you know, when you kind of are, are spying on, you know, competitors' content and, and understanding how it's structured. An extension called SEO Minion is one that helps speed things up. It shows you, you know, some of the some of the behind the scenes stuff, like what is the page title, what is the meta description. It tells you how they've structured all their heading tags. It tells you where all the links are on their page. Um, you know, how, how much they're in- linking internally and externally. So some really quick data, so you can say, okay, how well optimized is this? You know, is it our competitors doing a great job, so we need to, you know, set the bar really high, or is all the content kind of really poor? And and we know that by coming in, you know, with with a solid piece of content, we're we're going to have a good chance of about performing these. And then, you know, for for keyword research, you know, we prefer Ahrefs, um, you know, but there's a lot of great ones out there. People use Moz, people use Semrush, and and others. So. I think finding the, the right tool for you that, that helps you get the data you need so that you can understand, you know, things like volume and competition and start just bringing that into the mix. So uh, those are some of our, our primary kind of research and, and competitive analysis tools. And then, you know, we use uh, site auditing tools like Screen Frog and Sitebulb uh, when we want to maybe analyze a, a whole bunch of URLs and, and extract that information and, and do some more deeper dive analysis. Sweet. So I, I noticed um, when you were going through your process, you also talked about structuring content. I want to dive a little bit deeper into that because I actually had a question about length of content and it kind of plays into that. So in terms of rankings, um, do shorter or longer pieces do better? How do you determine length? Um, and I think that kind of fits in with how what you look at when you talk about structuring content. Yeah, you know, I would say most often we find that there is a correlation between the length of a piece of content and how well it performs organically i think there's probably a point where the word count gets so high that it, that, that it stops mattering so much but 
you know, I think it, it just varies almost, you know, keyword to keyword or topic by topic. So that's why you want to get into the actual search result and look at the competition. So what we'll do is, you know, once we've identified a few keywords that, that we want a piece of content to rank for, you know, we'll search for those. We'll grab competitors links that uh, are currently, you know, in the top maybe five ranking positions for those keywords. And then we'll extract the word count from those. So if the average across all of those competitive articles is 1,500 words, that becomes kind of our benchmark. So for this topic, we think we need to hit a minimum of 1,500 words. For another topic, it might be 750. Um, so I think length, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, you want to approach it in a sense of we want to be in-depth. We want to convey expertise and authority in this topic. Um, so, so, you know, we're probably not going to get away with a hundred words, you know, for, for much of anything. Uh, but what is the right level depends, you know, topic by topic and who you're competing against. So that's why that you know, competitive analysis and looking at the actual search results is so important. No, that, make, that makes a ton of sense. Okay. So I want to shift this into now that we've kind of overviewed your process, I want to shift it into what are people doing today that they shouldn't be doing in regards to like key things to avoid when it comes to SEO practices. And is there any trends that you're seeing right now along those lines? Yeah, you know, I think a lot of, you know, the gray or black hat tactics are still ones that you want to avoid. So there's, you know, no, no need for keyword stuffing or you know, masking links or, or anything like that. You want to, you know, kind of keep it above board, or at least that's what we do. But I, I think another thing you want to avoid is thinking of, about SEO in, in a silo. And, you know, we hear a lot of people say, you know, we need to create SEO content, which, which to me means they're saying we need to create content for the sole purpose of getting ranked organically. And I, I think that's, it's not necessarily wrong to approach it that way, but I don't think you'll get the full value out of the content if, if you're only thinking about it in terms of keywords and rankings. I think you got to be thinking about, you know, the end customer, the reader who is going to be absorbing this content and what might they use it for. And you'll also get a lot more mileage out of your content if it's something that can perform well in organic search, but also work for email marketing and work for social media, maybe even work for some of your digital advertising efforts. So you, you kind of want to think about SEO and content a bit more holistically and, uh, you know, kind of look over your entire digital marketing strategy and say, how can we create a piece of content that, that might work for, you know, more than one marketing that, That's actually, I'm really happy you brought this up because this kind of segues into my next question around writing for other things besides like just blogs or something like that. Maybe it's a podcast or it's a YouTube video or just another video in general. Is there any different tactics there when it comes to writing for another medium? Yeah, possibly. So, you know, if you're bringing in video, if you're bringing in, you know, audio or imagery and things like that, you know, I think you first want to come from the point of view that search engines can't necessarily crawl a video or listen to an audio file or see an image. So you want to make sure that there's text content on the page to kind of supplement there. So whether that's taking a transcript of the audio and, and publishing that or, you know, being really descriptive with your alt text just to assist search engines with you know, what is that image of and, and help you get more visibility in image search results. And then there's also, you know, different schema types that you can apply to that content just to help search engines understand this is a video file and here's where it's published and, and here's where you can find, you know, the transcript and things like that. So I think there's certain ways you can enhance the content. Also, you know, if you're bringing some of that media into the page, 
and it's providing a good user experience, that's going to keep people on the page longer. And that's something that search engines measure as well. You know, when somebody clicks on a search result and lands on a page, do they engage with the content? How long are they sticking around? That, you know, factors into how search engines value your content and, and can impact your ranking. Got it. So I want to take this a little further and dive into on-page SEO. How does this differ from like a journal blog post? Um, just to start this off, what is on-page SEO? Um, if you can define that for the audience. Yeah. On-page SEO is anything that a user might see in search results or on the page itself. So think of your page title meta description, which both show up in search results and uh, you know the content on the page. So your headings, your body copy, the internal and external links, all of that combines to, to make up on-page SEO. Got it. I think everybody knows it matters, but I want to know how much it really does matter. I don't know if you know any statistics or anything like that, but how much does page speed matter when it comes to SEO? It matters, and it's certainly been a topic that has grown in popularity uh, both in the SEO community and just more broadly, as you know, especially Google has been really strong with their messaging and PR around optimize your sites for fast load times, and that's going to help you rank better organically. You know, how much does you know a one second difference mean for your actual rankings? You know, I think that's probably a little bit tougher to measure, but I think this is another example where you you don't want to just think of page speed in terms of SEO because obviously having a faster website makes the user experience better and can help engagement and conversion metrics for anybody on your site, regardless of, of how they got there. So I, I think, yeah, you want to be aware of the SEO component. You want to understand that it does matter from that standpoint, but more broadly, it probably has just greater impact across all of your site visitors and, and just the user experience overall. That makes that makes a ton of sense now that I'm thinking about it. Okay, so um, and then, and then when it comes to on-page SEO, I know there's some talk around structuring the URL. I wanted to just you know go above the page a little mm -hmm. bit. Do you have any tactics there? What should people be thinking about when they structure the URL? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, I think you want to first have a user-friendly URL. So I still see a lot of that today, where you know you have these really really long URL slugs as you know people are trying to kind of maybe cram primary keyword and, and multiple secondary keywords into there. I think it looks really busy, perhaps can look a little bit unprofessional, and it's not as important as one might think, you know, in terms of where you ultimately rank. I think having kind of concise URLs that, yes, utilize, you know, the, the focus keyword when possible is, is the right way to go, but not putting a bunch of extra words in there and thinking that that's going to be the difference between this content performing or not performing. So that, that's one piece of advice. The other is, you know, you want to organize your content into subdirectories in a logical way. So I, I think that has kind of a twofold benefit. One, it helps you measure your content. So if all your, say, blog articles live under slash blog, that makes it really easy to jump into Google Analytics, jump into Google Search Console, look at just that section of your website and see how you're performing in terms of indexing and, and rankings and traffic and conversions and things like that. So there's a benefit there. It's going to make your life a whole lot easier if you're just creating a really clean URL structure and, and bucketing content logically into those subdirectories. The other is that, you know, I think you then put similar pieces of content 
near each other. And as Google assesses your website and looks at your overall authority for various topics, having those things kind of close together, living together under the same subfolder, subdirectory, I think can help improve how, how search engines understand you as, as an authority for a particular topic or set of topics. Okay. Okay. And then just to, you know, wrap up on page SEO, do you have any specific linking strategies, external or internal that you think would be good resource for anyone listening that they'd be thinking about? Yeah. Um, I, I think there's a lot of emphasis on obtaining backlinks, getting linked to from other websites. And that's, you know, of course, still really important today, but I think that's often emphasized and creates the situation where you overlook your internal linking opportunities. And the benefit there is you can control your internal links. Uh, you often can't control your backlinks, you know, how long they stay up and, and the sites that choose to link to you and, and don't choose to link to you. So you can help help yourself both in making it very easy for your content to be crawled and also, you know, helping to spread around some of your kind of sites SEO equity by linking between relevant pieces of content. So, you know, just a strategy there would be to make sure that you're going back to older pieces of content and building links to, you know, the newer articles or newer pages that you're publishing that are on kind of the same topic or, or are similar. And there's an opportunity to kind of associate the two. And then, you know, kind of vice versa, when you publish something new, make sure that you're finding opportunities to link back to things that you might have published months or years ago. That can help kind of elevate the performance of something that maybe you published last year and it hasn't really done much. But now that you've continued to publish additional pages on that same topic, you can see you know performance kind of increase overall, even for those older articles, if you're being thoughtful about how you're linking between them. Love it. Thanks so much, Griffin. And to recap what we discussed, let's start with the tools to help write better SEO content. The first is the extension Keywords Everywhere. It pulls up related keywords to the right in search results and creates a list of other keywords that you can start exploring to have other ideas. The next is SEO Minion. It shows you behind the scenes stuff. What is the page title? What is the meta descriptions? How much linking is there externally and internally? And things like that. The next is a site auditing tool called Screaming Frog for analyzing a lot of URLs at the same time and extracting that information. The other is when it comes to general keyword research. You have Ahrefs, Moz, SEMrush, and all are great. What really matters when it comes to these tools is that you find the tools that help you find the data you need. And when it comes to the length of content, it really varies keyword to keyword or topic by topic. That's why you want to identify the keywords and research the composition. Then you can extract the word count from competitor articles and find your average that you can start with. When writing for a different medium such as video or audio, search engines can't crawl a video or an image or an audio clip. You need to make sure there is text on the page that substitutes that, such as adding a transcript. The content will also keep the people on the page longer, which helps your SEO. Next, when it comes to on-page SEO, page speed matters. You must optimize your sites for the fast load times because this will affect your page rankings. However, you should also be looking at it that it just helps the user experience. It should be faster because the user experience is better when your page loads faster. And when it comes to structuring the URL, make sure it is user-friendly. You don't want to have to really have long URL slugs. That really just comes from cramming keywords into URLs, and that really just looks unprofessional. Using concise URLs that utilize the focus keywords when possible is the way to go. You also want to categorize your subdirectories in a logical way. For instance, you want all of your blog posts to be behind the subdirectory of blog within the URL. This will make it easier to look over your Google Analytics as well. 
when it comes to linking strategies, it's great to be linking from other websites, but you can't really control backlinks, but you can control internal links. So help yourself by making your content be crawlable by linking between relevant pieces of content that you create. So for instance, make sure you go back to older pieces of content and link to new pieces of content and vice versa. That about wraps it up. In the next episode, Griffin and I will be ending our discussion on SEO by talking about other tips and tricks, including the use of semantic keywords, guest posting, link building, as well as discussing certain trends that are fundamentally shifting the way people approach SEO and how you will in the future. It's going to be great, so stay tuned. Thanks for tuning in to the Scripted Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the discussion as much as I did, and most importantly, I hope that you're walking away from this with clear, actionable steps that you can start taking to improve your content marketing efforts today. If you like this episode, feel free to rate and review on whichever platform you're listening to this on, and stay tuned as we'll have another just as impactful episode coming to you soon. If you're in need of any form of written content, feel free to check us out at scripted.com. We empower freelance writers to produce premium written content for businesses large and small, and you can start your 30-day free trial today. See you next time, listeners. Stay scripted. The views and opinions expressed by guests in this podcast are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of scripted or its employees.